Welcome back to Aliyah Yomi. Today we're going to be learning together Lech Lecha Shishi, the sixth Aliyah in Parshas Lech Lecha. Our Aliyah is 36 psukim long and runs from Perik Tesvav Zion to Yud Zion Vav. It is the main topic is the covenant between the parts, but we also hear about the birth of Yishmael as well. A few basic points to ponder. We'll first let's do a summary and then we'll look at some points to ponder. So we hear that our Shem says to... to, uh, to um, Avraham, that I'm going to, I took you out of ur to give you the land to inherit it. And Avraham asks, How will I know that I will inherit this land? So Hashem tells him to perform this very interesting ritual where he takes um, this, uh, these animals. He takes an egla mishuleshes, ez mishuleshes, v'ayel mishulosh v'tor v'gazal. So what he does is he takes... To take a prime heifer, a prime best quality goat, a prime ram and a dove and a young pigeon. And he is to take these and to split up the animals, the three animals in the middle. And he is and they face the different parts to each other. And but he did not was not supposed to split up the tzipor, the bird. Um, at this at which point we hear about a vulture descending to try to um, land on the carcasses, and uh, um, and Avram tries to um, chase it away. As the, we hear about this curious description, how there is darkness descends, and Avram fears a terrifying fear. And at which point Hashem says to Avram, you should know that your children will be a foreign nation in a land that's not theirs. They'll be enslaved. They'll be afflicted for 400 years. But the nation that does this to them will be, will be punished. And they will, um, they, they will then exit as a great nation with great assets as well. And you will pass away at a, great, at a, at a good age. The Tikhoveb Seva Tova and the fourth generation will return here because right now, the Canaanites are not yet ready to be uh, to be kicked out. So we hear about this, and uh, we hear about this fire which emits from the heavens and goes through the Gazarim, almost so to speak, Kivyachol, as a part of Hashem's presence that goes through those the, those uh, parts. And that was the covenant, what's called Bris Bein Habasarim, the Bris between the covenant between the parts. And he has the promise of the land to the future. And Hashem mentions all the other nations that are going to be given to Avram. Very curious, very enigmatic description here. We then hear at the beginning of the next parak about Sarai's um, turn, turns to Avram and she sees she cannot have children. So she says, maybe you can have, maybe you can have a children through my maidservant Agar Ulai Ube Mimeno. Maybe I can create a family through her. And at which point Sarai gives the gives Hagar to a to Avraham, and uh, this is after ten years of being married without uh, being married in, from the land of Canaan, and they and they she becomes pregnant, and when she is pregnant, she speaks or she acts in a callous way towards her mistress, towards Sarai. Sarai is very upset to Avraham. She uh, with Avraham she says, my anger is upon you." Um, now she's that she's pregnant. She's becoming very arrogant. And she, if, uh, she, so Avram leaves Sarah, um, Hagar in the hands of Sarai, who afflicts her, and Hagar runs away. At which point, uh, a malach finds her by a, a well, and the, and this angel says to her, says to her, "Where are you going? What's going on?" She explains, "I'm fleeing from my mistress." 
and the Malach says, don't worry, you should return. And uh, he, he, another angel comes and promises that there'll be many, many children who come from your children. And, um, and you're going to call this young man, this boy who you're going to have a child, you're going to call him Yishmael because Hashem has call, heard your calls. He'll be a pere Adam, a wild person. His hands will be in everyone's and everyone's hands will be in his. And he'll dwell among his brothers. And he'll be a nomadic tribe. And so that's what happens. She returns to um, to the place where she comes from after leaving this place, which she calls Be'er Lachairo'i, which is the further well where she has this this apparition of these Malachim, which speak to her. And uh, and she has this child. She calls him Yishmael. And um, this is this is the story of Yishmael as well. Avram at this point in time is 86 years old when he has you when he has Yishma, when he has Ishmael. And then we hear about how Avram is told that he's going to have a name change. He's no longer going to be called Avram, but rather Avraham. And uh, Avram falls on his face and he prostrates himself in front of Akadosh Baruch Hu. At this point in time, Hashem promises him that he'll have many children. So it's a very complex aliyah, a lot of different issues to talk about. A few basic points to ponder. Number one is, why is Avram asking for an assurance? When he says, Why Avram needs to know? Does he need a sign, a guarantee? This is Hashem he's speaking to. Yosef Bechor explains that he really did believe he's asking when. He knows it's happening. He's just saying, Hashem, when will this time be that it will happen? The Beis HaLevi explains in a different perspective is that he knows Hashem's promise is true. But what happens if his children don't live up to the promise? Which means Hashem promised Nation X that they should be deserving of this. But what happens, what happens if Nation X is no longer Nation X? They have not lived up to their calling. That perhaps on their side they did not meet it. Therefore you see the topic of the Brits of Adabasari, Mizar Kaj Baruch talking about going through very difficult times but still having the covenant. The reassurance that even in situations where Israel does not live up to their calling, Hashem will still keep them as a special nation. That's the conversation that's happening over here. Now what's the symbolism of the Brits of Adabasari in this covenant? It's very complicated. There's lots of different explanations which are offered. Some Midrashim point out that... Um, the, these, the, the, these will represent all the carbonos, the sacrifices that Israel will make over history. Another major says that maybe this is referring to the, the, the animals and birds are the future oppressors of the Jewish nation. Um, in the Mepharshim, if you look at the Mepharshim, the Kleokra as an example, it has an interesting idea where he says the three animals represent Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, and they split apart to symbolize that they don't yet have a part in the, in the land of Israel until their future, until the, the, until their generations will come back. So almost as if there's a promise, but you should know Avram Avinu, there's a split, there's a gap in this promise because it's going to take time to come. The Radak takes it in a different way, and he says that each of the animals are the different oppressors of Israel. They're cut in half, placed opposite each other, because they themselves are continually fighting. The birds represent Israel because they are unified, no matter how far they are taken and split split up from each other, they will always be able to reunite with, with each other. Um, <clears throat> and those, the, the, those who come to the birds, the vultures, birds of prey, that come to land on, on, on the Carcasses is, is a symbol of those other nations which tried to attack the Jewish people, and Avram Avinu in his Zechus will be chasing them away. The Chizkuni has a different perspective. He says that what's happening over here is that Avram Avinu is saying, I don't understand, I don't see you in my life so much, Hashem. It's, it's hard to understand that your promise is coming up. And Hashem says, You know what? You're going to have to, you're going to, have to chase away the scavengers and wait patiently for the moment of inspiration. It's going to take time to see me in your life. It doesn't happen momentarily. And this is the symbol of the Brisbane Abbasarim. So very different perspectives of the symbolism over here. A few other questions. 
How do the years work over here? We're told that it's a 400-year wait, but that's not exactly how long Israel was in Egypt, if that's going to be the expression of it. So Rashi explains that there's a, that, that actually the 400 years takes place from the time that Yitzhak is born till the leaving of Egypt. The 210 years when you were, were only in Egypt. What is fascinating is, is that actually the Briskarov points out that there are two tracks. There is Gairus, which means being a stranger, and from the time Yitzhak was born, he was a stranger. He wasn't a citizen of the land of Canaan. He was a Semite. Um, he was from shame. Um, but the idea of Inui and Avdus actually only started when they went down to Mitzrayim. And that was, exa- that was exacerbated because of the amount of suffering that they went through. The Chidush is, is that, when it, as we say in the Haggadah, is HaKadosh Baruch Hu Chishev HaKetz. HaKadosh Baruch Hu calculated at the end that these two scores would settle in the same time. That the 400 years of Gairus, of being a foreigner, converged to the end of the Inui time, which was the 210 years of exacerbated suffering, and those two converged to the same ending date. That's, that, that's how this works over here. Rav Hirsch points out, if you look at the Pesukim over here, there are three descriptions. There's Gairus, Avdus, and Inui. There's being a foreigner, there's servitude, and there's affliction in the servitude. And Rav Hirsch has a very beautiful um, scheme where he explains that in the plagues, Ditzach, Adash, Ba'achav, the three sets of the plagues, each of the first ones are corresponding to the Egyptians becoming foreigners in their own land, then Avdus becoming slaves, and then the affliction, the pain, and the suffering in each of those, the third set of each of those, um, of those groups. Very beautiful perspective. Now the question is, how could Paro be um, forced to pay and to suffer the punishment if this is a prophecy, this is a decree that there will be this nation which will inflict Israel? So why could Hashem say in the next sentence, of I'm going to judge that nation? So the Rambam raises this issue in his uh, Sefer Mishnah Torah in Hilchas Cho, Perik Vov, the last halacha, where he says the reason is because Hashem did not um, actually um, delegate as to who this, this in, a nation would be. Hashem just said there will be a nation which will afflict Israel. Um, Pharaoh stepped in and took that role. It's in the same way the Rambam says as if Hashem says there will be poor people in the nation. That doesn't mean to say that we, we, that. That being poor is a, is a decree from Hashem. No, there will be pe- poor people. Who is the poor person is a matter of of circumstance, a matter of choices. That's that's not dependent on a prophecy. It's dependent on that's the the law of averages. Is how it's going to work. So that was what was going on over here. The Rivet completely disagrees. He says this is really divrei arichus dvarim. Completely irrelevant matters. He doesn't say. He says, if everybody decided not to afflict Israel, then, then the, the prophecy wouldn't have fulfilled itself. So obviously you need to have somebody doing it. So he makes another two suggestions. One is, is that Hashem always chooses bad people to do bad things. And the Egyptians had been bad people up to now, so they were there for the conduits of this. They really had a score to be settled um, that Hashem needed to punish them for. And the second thing is, uh, the perspective he shares, is that they went too far. They exacerbated the suffering. They tried to kill their children and gave a backbreaking label, which was beyond the decree that Hashem was giving, which is why they were punished. The other question is, how, why, why now do we hear about Sarah giving her maidservant to Avraham? So it's interesting, if we take the Torah in chronological order, which is a debate in this particular section as to when the Brisbane of Sarah actually was, um, Rav Hirsch points out that we've heard that Avraham Avinu has just said that he, the pain of Avraham realizing that he doesn't have children. And this, this Aliyah over here, we start hearing how Sarah reacts to that. She hears the pain in Avraham Avinu's voice of not being able to have a child to fulfill these prophecies that Hashem is telling him. And she herself says, maybe there's somehow, somehow I can help. Maybe there's something I can do because it, it's not working this way. And that's the emotions, the pathos we hear from the side of Sarah as well. Another question, why is Sarah angry with Avraham? 
she says, Surely she told him to marry her maidservant. So why is she getting upset when now that her maidservant is pregnant, she, that, that she acts arrogantly? Why is that Avram's problem? So the Chizkuni explains, is you didn't put your foot down. You should have, every time you saw her speaking to me in that manner, you should have told her, this is not appropriate to speak to my wife as such. The Malbim suggests in a different perspective that maybe she thought that Avram had freed her, which is why it is that she's acting in such an arrogant way as well. Now the question is, was Sarah correct? Was she right in afflicting Hagar? The Ramban Nachmanides gives a very strange and terrifying comment, and he says that She, in fact, sinned when she overdid the affliction with her maid servant here. And he says that's why it says, with Nosan la ben she pere adam la anois zera Avraham. And her child, Yishmael, the, the going to be the patriarch of many of the Arab nations, is going to, they are going to afflict the children of Sarah in the future because of this Inui. So there's a historical precedent. Very difficult thing to swallow. Finally, what is the destiny of this young boy? So the, the way the Torah says it is, his hand is in everyone's and everyone's hand is in, in his. There's a lot of, on a most basic level, thievery, it sounds like. But the way that the Targum Unkarist explains it is the following. He will need everyone and everyone will need him, which is a very beautiful description of, you know, first the spice trade and the silk trade and finally the gas trade, which the world is interdependently in, connected with the Middle East and the nations of the Middle East, the Arab nations of the Middle East, in a way that it's an interdependence. And despite all the complications of the arena, this is the destiny of Yishmael. With this, we close the sixth Aliyah. In the meantime, have a wonderful and meaningful day.